0: So if I were to ask you, what's the number one issue that couples have in marriage, what would you say? You might say, well, it's probably money, maybe sex. Anybody think the number one issues that couples have in marriage have to do with communication? Oh, I, okay, I, I didn't even ask for a raise of hands, but I see some of you are enthusiastic about that. Yeah, Yeah, you ask a therapist or a counselor, what's the number one issue, and they will always tell you it's communication. It's communication. And, and it's, isn't it true, if you have teenagers, <laughs> number one issue in your relationship with your teens is communication, as in they don't, and you know, and so you've got to kind of try to open all that up. And, and here's my, my assumption, I don't know that this is true, but I, I have a hunch it is, that really our number one issue in our relationship with God, after sin, it is probably communication. And the and reason I think it's communication is because even though we say, well, I pray, a lot of our prayers are just talking to God and not listening to God. I don't think we're actually communicating with God. We're not really receiving back what he wants to say to us. And so today, that's what I want us to unpack. Based on this passage from the Sermon on the Mount, what does it actually mean to communicate? And communication, Jesus teaches us in this passage— has three elements. Three elements to communication. First element is speaking. you got to actually speak. And then you got to trust the person you're talking to. And then you got to actually understand the person. And it doesn't matter what relationship we're talking about, whether we're talking about marriage or whether we're talking about relationship with kids, friendship, business relationships, or your relationship with God. Everything Jesus teaches us in this passage applies. So let's dive in with the first thing Jesus wants to teach us and talk about speaking directly. Do you speak directly? Now, I'm going to make some generalizations here, and I know they don't apply across every person, but generally. Okay, can you you grant me that? I'm going to speak in some generalizations. Women, generally, when it comes to communication, you want your guy... To understand you. In fact, you want your guy to be so sensitive that he can pick up what is wrong without you telling him. So when you kind of are in a mood and he asks you what's wrong and you say nothing, you want him to understand something's wrong, right? Now, in case you lost me there, okay, true? Sometimes we say nothing's wrong when something is wrong. And, and do you think that really helps communication? Now, guys, we're different. We don't want to admit that we have needs, that we have hurts, that we have sensitivities. We are, we are men, right? And we don't need any—we're here to serve. We're here. Yeah, I'm here to help you fix things. I don't have any issues of my own. So, one time I went with my stepdad to a doctor's appointment, and the doctor comes in and he asks my dad, my stepdad, some questions, and then he says, I want you to step out of the room. And so gladly I stepped out of the room because I didn't want to see what was about to happen. But I can still hear what's going on in the room, right? And so I hear him ask my stepfather, Mr. Prescott, does that hurt? And I hear my stepdad go, No, does that hurt? No. Does that hurt? No. <laughs> so, guys, isn't this is this what we do? I mean, we, we try to pretend like I don't have any needs, and then eventually the needs pile up, the hurt piles up, the sensitivity piles up, and it explodes. Or we try to drown it, beer, alcohol, food, getting away, You can try to drown your hurt with too much fishing and too much hunting and too much golf. Or even playing with cows too much. What if there's a better way to do this? That's what Jesus is saying. So listen again to that verse. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. I've read those verses over and over in the time I followed Jesus. And for the first time when I read in preparation for this message, I realized, oh, Jesus is talking, yes, about prayer, and he's talking about our relationship with God, but he's actually teaching us a bigger relationship principle. This applies to everybody. When you have a need, speak up. When you have a need, be direct. And he gives us three words, ask. That means I've got to be vulnerable and say, I've got a need. Seek means I don't know exactly what I need, but I'm trying to find it. I may need help. Knock. That means there's somebody on the other side of the door that I need. And I have to admit, I need you. Do you hear how different this is than the reply of what's wrong with you, nothing, or I don't even have any needs? It means I have to be direct about what's really going on and be direct enough to be vulnerable. So I'm doing this counseling session with this couple several years ago, and the guy says, she can't ever come to the point. She just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. And I said to him, well, maybe she doesn't even know what the point is. And he said, well, I already know what it is. If she'll be quiet, I'll tell her what the point is. And uh, that was not the right place to amen, whoever did that, okay? (laughs) Let me finish the story. (laughs) Okay, so, so I said to him, you know, I get that you already see the point, but she has to discover it herself. If you just tell her what the point is, you're kind of treating her like she's five years old. Now, I wish I could tell you at that moment the, the uh, ceiling to my office opened up and angels descended and the guy got it. But we had to keep working a long time before finally it clicked for him. He couldn't make his wife see it. He could only accompany her on the journey. And so Jesus says, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, find, knock, it'll be open to you. These verses are often misinterpreted. People often think these verses mean you can just pray whatever you want to and God's going to give it to you. But Jesus is really giving us a principle here. He's saying it takes communication for something to happen. You've got to actually ask, seek, and knock, and that's going to start communication going. So guys, let me tell you what it really means to be head of the house. Number one, it doesn't mean you get to boss your wife around. If you think that's what it means, go home, try it this afternoon. Let me know how that goes. What it means is you initiate. You actually say, how are you? You actually say, here's what, how I'm doing means you save your best energy for your spouse, not your job. Now, I want us to apply these teachings of Jesus to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Be direct with God. Ask, he says. It amazes me. Here's the God of the universe saying, I want you to ask me. I want you to come to me. Bother me. Now, you say, well, I pray all the time. Is there something you're forgetting to ask God for? Because, let's be honest, here's what most of my prayers are. God, I've got a problem, fix it. God, I've sinned again, forgive me. God, uh, thanks for everything, but can we get on to the stuff I need? What if more than wanting to fix my problem, God says, ask me, and then let's go on a journey, and you're going to seek, and I'm going to go with you, and you're going to find what you're looking for. Because instead of fixing our problems, what if God wants to shape and grow our character? So let me tell you something that's helpful for me. Over the last several years, I try to pray each day for one of the fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So I pray. I pray, God, help today be a joyful day. And of course, what happens on that day? Yeah, everything goes wrong, right? Lawnmower blows a fuse. I spend two hours entering data into you know, my Quicken stuff, and then Quicken messes up my account and I have to redo it all over again. And I'm just describing yesterday. And I prayed for joy, Lord. This is not joyful. And what if God says to me, wait a minute, wait a minute. Joy doesn't mean no problems. Joy means not being overwhelmed by the problems. did not that put you in a different place? I mean, how many of you need to pray ever so often for patience? Yeah, every one of you is going to look at your watch through this service, I guarantee you, you need to pray for patience. How many of you need to pray for self-control? You know, self-control sometimes is God telling you, don't say that. Is there an ask you need to make of your heavenly Father? We need to ask him for. And you need to seek God. Go to God with all the messiness of your life, the things you don't understand, your anger, your depression, your anxiety, why something hurts so bad. Keep praying through your doubts. Some real interesting you know, Christopher Columbus, when he set out on his famous voyage in 1492, did not set out to discover America. He was looking for a shortcut to the spice Isle. right? He wanted to find India. Instead, he found a whole new world. What if God says, I want you to walk with me. It's going to feel unsettled for a while, but I want you to just trust me. We're going to find something that's better than what you're looking for. You need to seek something with God. Just say, God, in my messiness, I need to get up and I need to go on this journey with you. I don't know where it's going to wind up, but I'm going to trust you with the journey. What if you just need to knock? And guys, this is where we struggle. Again, we don't want to admit that we need God. Most of us men, we understand that we need God someday. But isn't it true if you need God someday, you really need him every day? So let's start every day now. Let's go ahead and knock on God's door and say, God, I need you. I need you to do life. Not just when I've made a mistake, not just when I get in a crisis. I need you every day in my life. I I do think this is sometimes why men have trouble being baptized because baptism is ultimate vulnerability, but it is also communicating to the world that you have decided to follow Jesus. I think some of you need to go ahead and take that step and just be vulnerable and say, hey, this is me knocking on the door of the world to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Will you actually admit you need God? I know, some of you say, well, I'm in church. Clay, Of course I admit I need God. Well, what about every day? What about every hour? There's an old song. I need thee every hour I need thee. You remember the song? So this is the first part of communication. Speak directly to God and to other people. Just speak direct, be direct. Now let's go to the second part of what Jesus says. Who do you trust and how much do you trust them? Trust is vital. See, if I come to you and I want to communicate, can I trust you to hear me, to understand me, to walk with me and not blame me, not try to fix me? How many of you like to be confronted? nobody. How many of you like to be proven wrong? No, see, I know this. I know this. We only had one person in last service raise their hand, and I think that's because the person next to her kept telling her, raise your hand, raise your hand. Nobody likes to be confronted. Nobody likes to be proven wrong. How many of you are wrong sometimes? How many of you, if you're honest with yourself, need to be confronted about something in your life? Okay, every hand should go up here, okay. So how do we actually do these hard conversations? How do we trust people? How do we know it's safe? Well, let me tell you one of the wrong ways to do it. So there's this couple, and, and she is frustrated because the house is messy, and he's just sitting there, and she says, you never pick up anything in this house. No, Pause. This is free marital counseling right here. The word never and always are firecrackers. They are explosive words, and they do damage in relationships. Because as soon as you say you never pick up anything in the house, he's going to say, I picked up a pair of underwear last week. Right? He's got to come back, and if he can prove you wrong, wrong in one thing, it means he doesn't have to listen to the rest of what you say. Now, John Gottman, who studies relationships at the University of Washington, notices these attitudes in relationships. He studied this, and he has come up with what he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse. These are attitudes in a relationship that will kill a relationship. It especially is true in marriage. It's true with kids. It's true in your relationship with God. Here are the four horsemen. Criticism, content, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Now, leave those up for just a second on the screen because let's go through them. Criticism. We talked about this last week. Jesus says, don't be a critic. Judge not, lest you be judged. Criticism is the idea that my calling in life is to find your flaws. Do you think that's healthy for a relationship? And yet, how many of us, when we get in a conflictual part of a relationship, think, okay, I get it, I'm flawed, but I'm going to use this opportunity to point out some of your flaws that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. See, that's, that's toxic. And then then there is contempt. Contempt is, I'm better than you. You talk about a relationship killer. As soon as you have this idea, I'm better than you, it's going to kill a relationship. Defensiveness. Defensiveness is, I'm never wrong. I'm never wrong. Well, you don't want to be in a marriage where you're married to somebody who's never wrong. Because they are wrong about never being wrong and stonewalling, I'm closed off. I don't care what you say. My way's the only way, my way's the right way, and I'm just stonewalled. I am not open at all. You hear how these are not the way of Jesus? Jesus never calls you to be a critic, or to be contemptuous, think you're better than somebody else. Jesus never tells you to be defensive. Jesus never tells you to stonewall anybody. These are not Jesus' values. And these are toxic to relationships. So listen to what Jesus teaches us. In verses 9 to 11, he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father or your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You hear what Jesus is saying? If you who are messed up, sinners, far from God, still most of you know how to give good gifts to your kids. Don't you think your heavenly father will know how to give a good gift to you? I mean, you know, if your kid needs bread or fish, do you give them stones or snakes? Now, let's apply this in our relationships. Communication depends on trust. And granted, there are some people you don't need to trust because they will give you a snake instead of a fish. I'm the youngest in all my family. And so I was the last one doing the Easter egg hunt. My brothers and sisters would go out and hide the eggs. One Easter, they went out and hid all the eggs. The day before, my brothers had killed a little snake, about that long. See where this is going? They hid all the eggs, but they put this one bright red egg in the middle of the grass and wrapped that snake around it. I was so excited. I was running everywhere. I was finding eggs. I saw that big red egg. That was all I saw because that's what I was focused on. I charged toward that egg. I reach out. I grab that egg. I start to grab that egg and see it's a snake wrapped around that egg. And I wet my pants. Because when you're eight and you see a snake, that's what you do. Come to think of it, when you're 48 and you see a snake. What I learned, don't trust your brothers. Oh, I came to trust them later on, yeah. But th- th- this is why the best relationships unfold over time. So before you ever get engaged to someone, find out if you can trust them. Before you ever get really attached, find out if they're trustworthy. This is why I encourage you if you're in the dating realm and i know this is hard and i know this goes against everything culture presents to us don't get sexually active until after your marriage you know why sexuality sexual intimacy is the ultimate form of communication it's the ultimate form of vulnerability and what happens often is people start there before they even know if they can trust the person and that is toxic to your soul see god didn't put that that teaching out there, that rule out there to be mean, he put it out there because he knew. He knew how powerful that is. Now, if you're a parent and you've got teenagers and your child comes to you vulnerably, remember to be a good parent. Don't give them a snake if they're asking for fish. Don't give them a stone if they're asking for bread. So I'm just kind of this is free, you need to write some of this down. If your teenager comes to you or your young adult child comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I have something to tell you, nothing good is going to follow those words. Right? Nothing good. So you need to already have it in your mindset that when they say, I have something to tell you, your response is to say, I love you. I love you. And you say but i'm going to be angry i know you will be but just put that aside for a minute there'll be time for that later they need to know you love them because isn't that what our heavenly father does with us have you ever noticed this have you noticed this that jesus dies on a cross and he rises from the dead to show us his love his grace his mercy his forgiveness his power and then he starts to say, now, now that you get this, now that you've received this gift, let's talk about right and wrong. Jesus does not insist on us understanding right and wrong before he saves us. Thanks be to God. Don't make your kids understand right and wrong before you love them. Love them first. Yes, do take time to teach them right and wrong. But here, can I just give you a little clue? Can I give you this clue? The, soon, the moment they come to you and say, mom and dad, I need to tell you something they already know right and wrong. That's why they're coming to you. They want to see if there's mercy and grace. Now, we're going to pivot, okay? We kind of talked about this part about relationships, human relationships, and that means you need to trust people. You need to build trust over time, and that helps communication. How much do you trust your heavenly Father? I'm going to tell you a weird thing, and if you're not a Jesus follower i want to tell you a dirty little secret. A lot of us Jesus followers, we even have trouble trusting our Heavenly Father. And what do we mean by that? We trust Him with eternity. It's the day-to-day stuff we struggle with. And I think it's because we forget. We get so self-absorbed in our own problems, we forget how good our Heavenly Father is. Think about it. Our Heavenly Father gave us the gift of life. Our Heavenly Father gives us the gifts of oxygen and gravity and friends and relationships. He gives us purpose and meaning and intelligence and strength. He gives us gifts of health. Just imagine for a minute that God was not good. What if God said, "Up, oh, you sinned. Going to turn off your oxygen for five minutes. What if God said, oh, you sinned. Going to turn off gravity for you for five minutes. You start floating up. How far would you rise in five minutes? And what would happen when God turned the gravity back on? You've got a really good Heavenly Father. It's in His character. So trust Him. Trust Him not just with what you want, but with what you need, because what you want is not always what you need. My daughter Sarah was little. And it's kind of weird for me to even think about that because she's getting married this week (sighs) so we're going to have two offerings today (laughs) my daughter sarah was little um i remember this one day uh, i picked her up i think it was from dance and we were going home and supper was already ready and she says on the way home she's like four years old daddy daddy i want some ice cream it's, no, honey, supper's, supper's waiting for us. You can't have ice cream. Daddy, I really want some ice cream. No, honey, you can't have ice cream. I know you want it, but we gotta go home and have some supper. She waits a minute and says, Daddy, pretty please? Sugar on top and a cherry, can I have some ice cream? She wanted the sugar and the cherry on the ice cream. That had nothing to do with please. Uh, and I said, no, honey, we can't have it. And she waited about 30 more seconds, and, and we're getting more down toward home and away from the ice cream place, and she says, Daddy, Jesus wants you to get me some ice cream. (laughs) No, honey, Jesus didn't say that to you. I wonder how many times we even go to our Heavenly Father and say, Heavenly Father, I've been thinking about it, and I really need this. I bet Jesus would want me to have it. And your Heavenly Father says, no, 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 no. I know you think you want that. I thought, know you think you need that. I know you think if you don't have that, your life is just going to be so incomplete. I've got something better. I've got something better. So here's a way to kind of do this. Let's make it real. How about praying regularly this prayer? Heavenly Father, this is one thing I need to trust you with. I put it in your hands. I won't take it back. So, Heavenly Father, when it comes to this whole idea of communication, I'm gonna be vulnerable with you about this. I'm gonna put it in your hands, I'm not gonna take it back. So, let's say you struggle with an addiction. This is the whole 12 step program. It's the whole thing. I surrender it to you, I'm not gonna take it back. Or let's say it's a relationship that you're really, you're really kind of stirred up about. Heavenly Father, I wanna give this to you, I'm not gonna take it back. Or maybe it's that you want a relationship so bad. <laughs> And can I just give you some advice? If you're in that position, you want a relationship so bad and you don't have one, well, maybe the reason you don't have one is because you want one so bad you're scaring away everybody. It happens. And nobody's going to tell you that, but I just did. So can I tell you that what you need to do is say, God, I want to put this. If you want me to have a relationship, I'll have one. If you don't, then I'm going to trust that's going to be better for me. And you're going to freaking out because you say, but I'll be alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you our Heavenly Father says. Okay, let's bring this home. Let's go to the last thing Jesus wants to teach us. So he's taught us, speak directly, think about trusting and how much you can trust someone. And then Jesus really asks us to think about this. Do I understand, really? And again, guys, this is where we have a problem. You know, if if my wife says, (laughs) I just need to talk this out. I'm I'm just like the guy who was in my office. I'll, I'll listen, I'll listen, and about halfway through, I'll think, I know what the problem is. I know how to fix it. But relationships are not things to be fixed. Relationships are joining together on a journey. To really communicate, I need to understand your soul, not just your problem. And I think this is where we just blow up a lot of relationships unnecessarily. We, we're trying to fix people's problems instead of understand their souls. So, so let's say, for example, a wife goes to her husband and says, you know, I, I've just got this thing just worrying me. And, and what she's doing is she's seeking, right? And if she seeks, she'll find. So you say, okay, I'm on for the journey. Let me listen to you. And let me understand that this is infecting your whole soul. You remember your soul is your, your heart where you make decisions, your mind where you process thoughts and feelings. It involves your body and your relationships. So just think about she's talking all of this out and, and you're sitting there and you're going, okay. Okay, I understand she's going to have to make a decision about that, and this decision's going to cause some pain. I understand that she's got a lot of thoughts, and they're interacting with feelings, and it's kind of a mess. She's got to talk her way out of it. Talking involves your body. Have you ever noticed if you can just get some stuff out, it gets clearer? And then it's also going to impact a relationship, because if she does this, that person's going to be mad, and if she does that, that person's going to be mad. She's got to weigh all that. It's impacting her whole soul. It's not a problem to be fixed. And that's why Jesus gives us verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them to do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. In every relationship, the key is for me to do for the other person something that is loving, kind, that shows I understand their soul. Now, now let me tell you how not to interpret this. Way too many people get this wrong. They think that this is a math equation. So my wife wants me to rub her feet. I don't really want to do that. But if I rub her feet, she'll rub my feet. I don't need my feet rubbed. Therefore, I won't rub her feet. See, see it's not math. It is saying she needs her feet rubbed. That's not my need. I will rub her feet. And then when I need to put my head in her lap, well, she'll probably let me put my head in her lap. See how that's different? Now, I believe this is why a church needs to be a place of grace. We need to do to others in the church family what we want them to do for us. This is a place for us to to say, hey, we're all messy, we all need help, we all need grace. This is why it's so important to be in a group. This is why we need 3 a.m. friends, people that we can share our lives with. Now, you know this passage probably as the golden rule. I think it should be called the understanding rule, where I'm understanding a person's soul. So what would happen in your life if you applied this? If you actually said, you know, before I start trying to fix somebody's problem, I'm going to try to understand them, really understand them. Maybe even before I try to get in there and say, I've got needs and you need to listen to me, I'm going to pause and understand them. Maybe that's part of why you need to pray through those fruits of the Spirit. Patience and self-control will help you hold your stuff while you listen to someone else's stuff. Now, I really want you to pivot this, and I want you to think about this in a wild way. What would happen if you applied do to others what you would have them do to you, to your heavenly Father? See, I think this is where a lot of us miss it. We think following Jesus means everything gets done for us. But life in the kingdom, life following Jesus, is really about one day coming to the point where we are doing for our heavenly Father what he has done for us Because we love him, not because we have to, not because some preacher guilted us into it, not because we're doing some kind of spiritual math to make sure it comes out even. That's not the point anymore. The point is we understand how deeply and profoundly we're loved. We understand how much mercy God has poured out on us. And so suddenly it's like, I don't have to keep score anymore. I can just live in the kingdom and I can do for God because I love him not because I have to. Now, obviously, if I had this conversation with Jesus, if I said to Jesus, Jesus, what can I do for you so that you will do something for me? Uh, it's not gonna quite work, right? Because Jesus already has done for me. He's already died on the cross. He's already rose from the dead, risen from the dead. He's, he is already working in my life. So, but I think if I were to have this conversation with Jesus, it would go something like this. He would say, well, let's take eternity to get to know each other. That's one thing you can do for me. Because here's, here's the truth. You say, well, Jesus knows everything there is to know about me. But the more I get to know Jesus, the more I can receive what he knows about me. And, and what if in this conversation Jesus says, let's know community as a place of grace. Hey, I want you to have relationships of grace. I want you to have connections of grace. And make my church a place of grace where there's trust. Can I just pause and ask you this question? Do you think most churches are places where people trust each other? Isn't that kind of sad? Shouldn't we really be the place where we say, hey, I may not even know your name, but I trust you. Because I trust we're on the same journey together. I think Jesus would say, I want you to grow your character so it's just like mine. So let's grow your character so it's like mine. And this goes back to my contention. And granted, I tell you this all the time, and I have trouble believing it too sometimes, but I believe Jesus was the happiest person who ever lived. I believe he had the best life you can ever live. And so the more I'm like Jesus and the more I have his character, the better life I'm going to have. So I need to grow my character to be like his. And Jesus wants to help me with that. And what if I actually said to Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? And he would say, well, let's go share. Let's tell as many people as possible so they can take their next step toward me. I think that's kingdom life. Some of you are going, to want, no, no, grow, go. Isn't that one of the things our church tries to do? Yes. Yes. Because we want to be doing for Jesus because we love him. Three elements of communication, speaking, trusting, understanding. They'll make or break a relationship. So I need to ask you some questions. Number one, is there someone that you need to speak directly to? Oh, we could just spend an hour here, but we won't. Is there somebody you actually need to go to, somebody at work, somebody in your friendship circle, someone in your family, maybe even your spouse this afternoon, and you need to say, hey, you know what the preacher was talking about, about speaking directly? I need to speak directly to you and tell you, i need help cleaning up the house i feel overwhelmed please help me see how direct that is i see a couple of you are writing that one down or what if you actually need to speak directly to god and say god i've kind of gone around all this but here's the truth my life's really a mess right now my life's a mess right now and i need some help i need some help i need you to kind of go with me as i seek the answer Do you need to trust somebody? And you've got to own up some honesty and say, hey, I've got some hurts and wounds from the past, and it's making me have a hard time trusting somebody, but I'm actually going to trust them. Or maybe even say, you know, Heavenly Father, I've had a hard time trusting you. I don't know why, but I just have. I need to trust you. Maybe. Maybe you even need to say, God, help me understand you. Help me understand this other person in my life so when my kids were little and we would go somewhere and stay in a hotel that had a pool and they were really not good swimmers yet we would play the do you trust me game you know this game right kids would be on the side of the pool and they would say daddy daddy catch us catch us catch us and I'd be in the water i'd say okay jump 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 and they go oh i'm scared i would go no no you can trust me you can trust me and they would jump and i'd lower my arms and let them fall to the bottom it's just another way for them to be baptized <laughs> no i didn't do that what kind of dad do you think i am i made sure i caught them and even in those minutes Moments when we were playing that game over and over and over, and they would jump and they would jump. I would always say, I want them to know I will always catch them. I want them to know I will always catch them. I want them to know that I will always catch them, whether they are 3 or 33 or 43. I want them to know I will always do my best to catch them. you think your Heavenly Father going to drop you? No. That's why he says, ask. Don't you know I want to give you good gifts? Hey, and I really want you to understand what I want for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being a good father. You teach us so much in these verses about communication and about relationship with you and relationship with each other. And God, there's just so much here. Would you help us today? to trust, just to trust, and to ask, seek to understand, help us put this in place in relationships, and in our relationship with you, and God, if there is someone here who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that today they would take that next step toward Jesus, I ask all of this in his incredible name.